0: everyone and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics I'm your host Mark Curtis we're coming to you this week from the West Virginia Broadcasters Association annual government affairs meeting here in downtown Charleston at the Jackson Kelly law firm. We want to thank them for their hospitality and I have the honor of introducing our first guest this week. He is chairman Ajit Pai. He is chairman of the Federal Communications Commission. Most of you know it as the FCC, the, the organization, government organization that regulates our industry. I want to talk about a lot of different subjects and, and we thank you for being with us. Today. Thanks for having we, me on. You're a busy guy and you've been to West Virginia before and we appreciate it because we have a lot of issues. Broadband, especially rural broadband, everyone knows we have a problem with internet connectivity and a cell phone droppage in the state. Maybe we might be the worst in the nation. What's being done at the FCC level to address these problems to get everybody online and connected in the mountain state?
1: Well, the top priority for the FCC has been closing that digital divide, that gap between Americans who have access to the internet and those who don't. And this isn't just a professional responsibility for our agency, it's a personal calling for me. I grew up in rural Kansas, so I know what it's like when you grow up without access to some of those technologies. At the FCC, we have two basic tools in the toolbox. One is to modernize our regulations, to give companies a strong incentive to deploy that next generation broadband infrastructure. And the other one is our Universal Service Fund, which is a a fund of about $9 billion each year that we were retargeting to unserved parts of the country. We want to make sure that every American, especially folks here in West Virginia, get access to that technology. And the Universal
0: Service Fund is an important way of doing that. You had a great quote in your biography on the FCC website where you said, you know, a great idea, the only thing that's standing between a great idea and an a- execution is a good internet connection. And that's yeah. true. And in the in the day, You know, this is something 20, 30 years ago we didn't have, and now it's it's the way of doing business in the world.
1: Absolutely, and I had a chance to see that for myself here about a year ago when I visited a couple of pl- small towns in West Virginia. One place, Cape and Springs, which didn't have good internet connectivity, and some of the business owners there told me, look, we're struggling in part because people who want to live here want to have internet access, and to do our business we need to have internet access. Went down the road to another town that did have a good connectivity, they're growing jobs, there's a sense of optimism about the future, we want to make sure that every community in West Virginia has that sense of optimism and no matter where you happen to live, you should have what I call digital opportunity.
0: Well, and the stories are legion of parents driving their kids to school at night so they can park outside the schoolroom because the schoolhouse has internet connection, but they don't have it at home, and this is the way the kids can do their homework.
1: It's so frustrating, and just a couple of months ago, I was in Mandan, North Dakota, and I had a chance to visit with a farmer who, for the first time, thanks to our policies, was getting a gigabit fiber connection, didn't have anything before, and when I asked him what a difference it would make, he mentioned the fact that he and his wife would no longer have to drive about 30 minutes west to go to a neighborhood McDonald's, get their kid's wife, and allow them to upload their homework. I mean, that's something that bi- folks in bigger cities often don't appreciate.
0: I want to talk about another issue that's very near and dear to the broadcaster's community, and that's the ownership cap. Our yeah. parent company is Nextar Media. We own over 200 television stations in the country. A lot of folks probably don't know this, that ownership is capped. As soon as you reach a level of a number of stations that serve 39% of the U.S. population, you can't own any more stations, and we're hoping that gets removed, a lot of broadcasters are, because there's no cap like that on Facebook or the internet. Where does it stand in terms of trying to raise the ownership cap?
1: Uh, so we're still looking at that issue, and I think you put your finger on it. A lot of folks have said, well look, you know, we don't limit 39% of Americans to uh, the ability to do a Google search, 39% of Americans, uh, are ca- that's not the cap for tweeting something out, why is there a cap on broadcast regula- um, broadcast uh, TV? And so that's one of the things we're considering now is whether and to what extent to increase that. Cap.
0: because as a corporation the one thing we can do that the networks cannot is serve local communities I was telling you earlier our five station next group in West Virginia we just hosted the children's miracle network telethon for WVU medicines children's hospital collectively raised 1.2 million dollars in a day's time now if we are a single station operator in the state there's no way we could do anything like that but we have the staffing and the resources to do local programming like that that does good for the community and you know looking out across the nation we want to be able Able to do more of that, and one way to do it is to have multiple stations in every state.
1: And to me, that highlights one of the best things about broadcasting: is the fact that you are so local. No matter what market you're competing in, you're responding to the needs of your community, and you go above and beyond through initiatives like that, helping people in a way that very few other sectors of the communications economy really do.
0: Well, we loved it. It was, it's you know, it's to to us as broadcasters to be able to. And you look at those children who are ill, suffering from cancer, certain injuries, and to know that we're helping them and helping their parents is a, is a a big thing for us and we want to do more of it. Uh, speaking of which the doctors at WV Medicine to to a person kept bragging on the telemedicine and what a great advantage is this is where you know whether it's a child or whether it's me at home I can stay at home and my vital signs for certain illnesses are transmitted to the hospital to the doctors I mean what's going on in the world of telemedicine as you guys try to facilitate it.
1: It's such an exciting time and to me there's so many good things about broadband but to me telemedicine is one of the best there's such a gap in access to healthcare in this country. Country. and if a healthcare facility has a broadband connection they can extend their expertise to small towns where it can be difficult if not impossible for folks to attract a doctor to practice there and so I've seen it in small towns and big cities alike that telemedicine is in a way of getting people better access to healthcare but as you pointed out now healthcare can extend because of technology even outside the hospital facility if you're a diabetic patient if you're at risk of a heart attack you can have wireless sensors and the like track you so that it, it, providers can intervene quicker before problems become emerging Well,
0: these are all fascinating topics and we want to thank Ajit Pai, he's the chairman of the Federal uh, Communications Commission, better known as the FCC. Thank you for joining us. When you're back in West Virginia, I know you're coming back, come and sit down with us again. This is fascinating. There's so much more to talk about. We'd love to do it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Coming to you from the West Virginia Broadcasters Association annual government affairs meeting, hosted by the Jackson and Kelly Law Firm here in downtown Charleston. We want to thank them and introduce our next guest, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat, West Virginia. Thanks, Great Mark. to have you on the program. Right and uh, you always have an interest in broadcast and oh, commerce issues, and we appreciate that. Uh, I was talking to Chairman Pie about the issue of broadband connectivity, especially in the rural parts of the state. We may still have the worst connectivity issue for both internet and cell phones in this country. What do you want? done about
2: it. Well, basically, if, if, if you lived in, in rural America or rural West Virginia in the 1930s, you probably didn't have electricity. Your grandparents or great-grandparents didn't have access to electricity. And then we got uh, uh, rural electric connectivity, you know, basically, uh, when FDR gets elected, first thing he does is electricity. He says, if we're going to be a developing nation, everyone has to have access. Well, fast forward, 21st century, same thing. If we don't have access to broadband, high-speed internet, cell service, we're not going to be able to move forward and keep pace with the world.
0: And you take issue with the mapping. The FCC the mapping has mapping mapped is area. wrong.
2: The mapping is
0: totally wrong. So when, knows when you say it's wrong, there are areas of the state they say have coverage that really don't. Well,
2: correct? we've proven that. We already sent him a hundred letters. Just I think uh, this past week, we sent him a hundred letters that people did their own speed tests. We're asking people step forward and do your speed test. Call my office. Get on my website. We'll show you how to do a very simple speed test. The best time to do speed tests is between five and seven o'clock in the evening when kids are out of school and everybody's on or trying to get on and finding out that you have none or very low compared to what the maps are showing you have coverage and the reason for this is we have to change these maps and make sure they're accurate because we will not be able to access the money that's going to go for rural broadband connectivity and there's
0: billions available correct so if we if we have accurate maps we'll get more money there's going to
2: be 20 billion distributed fairly quickly Okay. And that's what I've been arguing for and fighting for. I'm the only, out of 535 people in Congress, my office is the only office that baby took them on. And we're challenging the FCC. And now we got more people doing it. And it has to have a process to where the FCC makes it easy for the consumers to say, this is what's not working. No matter what you're saying, it doesn't work. I don't have, I can't even get cell service. And you're saying I have connectivity and my kids, i got to drive them to be the front of the school before they can do their homework at night something's wrong.
0: Let's talk about another issue that I think you and the chairman may disagree on, and that's the ownership cap. We, You know, our parent company's Nextar Media. We want to see the 39% ownership cap, audience cap lifted so we can own unlimited television stations in this country and do more of the good work we do at the local level in more places. Um, there's no restrictions on the Internet. There's no restrictions on Facebook. Why is broadcasters should we be capped at 39%? Well, here's the thing about 39%,
2: about 39% cap, okay? When they took off the Fairness Doctrine, And now you're saying, what's the fairness doctrine? We never knew we had one. Yes, we did. Up until 1997, there was basically a doctrine, fairness doctrine, that the FCC enforced on you and every other station that basically you had to show both sides of the story. You couldn't have one media center going far left or far right as we have today, skewing the whole process and basically dividing our country up and dividing the people to take sides. The fairness doctrine basically kept you in check. So if someone said something on the Democrat side, Republicans had a chance to rebut it and get as much time. If you did that again, take off the 39 and a half. But until we know there's gonna be a balance in how the open, free press is to work, then I've got to have, I want to make make sure that, that we're doing it in the right way.
0: Well, I like to say as a reporter, I'm guided by my conscience, and I make sure I get both sides of the story. I don't know Mark, that that needs a good, legislative you're fix. You're one of the good guys, okay? <laughs> we all know it. All right, we're going to use that in a promo. We want to thank Senator Joe Manchin. You've been very supportive of the West Virginia yeah. Broadcasters well, Association. The free over press, the years. without
2: the free press, you don't have a democracy. And without democracy, you don't have freedom. Yeah. So support and defend the free press.
0: And that's why we're trying to show, shine a light on that situation yeah, up in Clarksburg. And the VA you. And, and yeah. you, I know you're working to get to the bottom of it. So we'll get we. to the bottom. All right. We want to thank Senator Joe Manchin again for joining us. We're a Jackson Kelly law firm. We'll be back with more of Inside West Virginia politics after this break.
1: Inside West Virginia politics is brought to you by AARP
0: West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the mountain state. And welcome back to this weekend's edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. We're going to talk about campaign 2020. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Republican of West Virginia, will have a primary challenger. Let me introduce him right now. He is Republican Alan Witt. Alan, great to have you on the program.
3: Glad to be here, Mark. Uh,
0: Why are you taking on Shelley Moore Capito?
3: Well, we need a true conservative uh, as an option for our principled voters in 2020 on May 12th. And... Uh, Senator Capito's record would be surprising to many of those principled voters. How so? Well, most people think that she's uh, an avid pro-life supporter but her record shows that she's actually quite squishy on that and uh, My lifetime has been spent working on issues to defend the unborn as well as various other topics
0: Tell me about the organization you're president of here in Charleston.
3: I'm the president of the Family Policy Council of West Virginia So we defend faith Family and individual freedom at the Capitol and all over the state so I 'm really a citizen of the of the interstate of West Virginia I travel almost all the time uh, city council meetings organizing volunteers I recruit candidates for down uh, down ballot races and um, our goal is to make sure that people can not only uh, Have their beliefs, but they can live according to those beliefs, not just in church, not just at home, but also in their places of business.
0: I got ahead of myself a little bit. I'm a political guy. I started asking the political questions. Tell us something about your background. Give us a little 30-second biography of Alan Witten, who you are, where you're from, and all that.
3: I was born southwest of Mingo County, about a morning's drive. If you leave at breakfast, you could be at uh, my parents' dairy farm, uh, my grandparents' dairy farm uh, by uh, by lunchtime, uh, at the tail end of the Smoky Mountains. And so I'm uh, I'm a country boy at heart. I... I was fast as a high school kid, so I won a state championship in the hurdles. It allowed me to go to college, and while I was there, got involved in my first uh, political activities, and it has brought me to West Virginia, back to Appalachia. And so for the uh, for the last six years, I've been the president of the Family Policy Council. Okay,
0: we should mention, we have a little rivalry going on here. You're an Auburn University graduate. I'm a University of Florida graduate. We yeah. didn't know that uh, till like 30 just seconds just before this interview. Just so. as long as you don't chomp at No, me, I'm not it. gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with a couple of the- <laughs> questions. What, what what are some of the issues? I mean, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're right. Senator Capito is one of those on the Republican side that's that's willing to reach across the aisle uh, oftentimes and try to work together with the other side if need be, as Senator Manchin does as well. How would you be different? And, and pinpoint a couple of issues where you would really do different things than she has done.
3: Well, when, when Senator Capito was first elected 18 years ago, Um, She was probably the very best representation that West Virginia could elect uh, uh, on the Republican side, Uh, but West Virginia has grown far more conservative than Senator Capito's voting record, Uh, and I am um, uh, the kind of individual that I'm not interested in accumulating wealth. I I work for a a nonprofit charity. Uh, My goal is to be able to serve, to serve the people of West Virginia, uh, to make sure that uh, the, the things that drive the economy are the small business owners. Uh, yes, we have to protect our, our petroleum assets and we need to get every bit of that coal out of the ground uh, which powers our cell phones and, and these lights in the studio. Uh, we absolutely need to do that and we need to pre- protect that. We need to protect our miners, we need to protect the pensions of those who, who have gone underground for, for years. But the primary economic driver are the thousands upon thousands of small business owners. And they have to know that they can go to work every day and live according to to their beliefs, whatever those are, without fear of unjust government persecution because of those beliefs.
0: By the way, we should mention to our viewers, we have an invitation out to Senator Capito. She's a frequent visitor to this program and we certainly want her to come on. She's often here talking about the issues of the day, but we'd like her to come on and talk about the campaign at some point in time and we'll make that happen in terms of trying to get equal time. What else out there? As you look across West Virginia, what, what do we need to be doing that we're not doing?
3: well the Constitution guides us and we must protect that at all cost and uh, though I am a proponent of the first amendment the second amendment which allows us to bear arms uh, must also be protected because the second amendment protects all of the other amendments and just recently within the last couple of months Uh, When asked uh, whether or not she would be in favor of the new red flag laws, red flag laws being um, the the concept that anyone could just raise a red flag if they thought someone had a gun and might be uh, of a concern, that individual could uh, have those weapons removed, perhaps even incarcerated without due process. That is not the, the perspective of a conservative. It's not the perspective of the overwhelming majority of West Virginians, and I will absolutely never vote for one of those fl- red flag laws. I'm a strong proponent of the Second Amendment.
0: All right, we're getting into some issues here. We've got to run. We've five minutes for a candidate. We'll have you back uh, as we get closer to the primary. Quickly give your website so viewers out there can check you out and find out more about you.
3: Um, WIT for WV, www.witt, W-H-I-T-T, for WV, and that gets you right there.
0: All right, Republican Alan Witt challenging uh, Senator Sheldon, more capital in the primary. Again, we'll have you back in the spring, and uh, good to meet you, Alan. Thank you. You're very welcome.
4: Senator, thank you so much for being here with us. Great to be on, Adrian. Thanks.
5: I'd love to start by talking about the USEDA coming for the visit here in Charleston and here in Kanawha County with you this past week, obviously announcing some pretty exciting grants Previously, you have said that you felt like the EDA wasn't paying attention to West Virginia. How have you built up that relationship and how much do these grants mean to the Mountain State?
4: Well, we were really pleased to have uh, over $7 million of grants from the EDA announced on Monday. And a lot of these are infrastructure improvements to areas all around the state to grow jobs, to keep jobs, to expand uh, private investment. Uh, For every dollar that the EDA brings, uh, it usually uh, attracts another $15 uh, in federal or state, local, and private investment. So these uh, these are, are uh, great news. The EDA is intended for communities that need help. Uh, I didn't think we were getting our fair share, and I brought it to their attention. And, uh, and since I did that, we've had some great success with helping our communities grow.
5: Is this just another example of how having you and... Both you and Senator Joe Manchin on the Appropriations Committee helps West Virginia.
4: I do think it does has to do with the uh, effects of being on the Appropriations Committee. I was the chair of the Appropriating Committee that provides the funds for EDA, so I was particularly critical to the uh, to the uh, administration to the. Economic development, development Administration, but I think even more so it, it, it causes me as a, as a member of the Senate appropriations to look into more detail. What, what is my state getting from this? How can we maximize the benefit? And, and that's where I see uh, that we're able to bring more dollars back to West Virginia for investments in water, wastewater, uh, technology improvements, uh, business park improvements, all kinds of things to attract those businesses and keep them.
5: Senator Capito, you and Senator Joe Manchin have been working on the American Miners Act for quite a while. Do you have any idea what changed Senator McConnell's mind, besides obviously the Kentucky gubernatorial election the day before?
4: You know, I think Senator McConnell, he has over 7,000 miners that are affected by the possibility of losing their pension. Uh, and Senator McConnell has always uh, expressed to me in the many, many conversations that we've had his concern for those minors. At the same time, uh, his support on the American Miners Act is absolutely critical. Uh, And I am very pleased that in talking with him that uh, we were able to to get him as a major co-sponsor. I feel more optimistic about the pension issue. Time is of the essence because of the Murray bankruptcy. Uh, And I think it's important to note also that it is a bipartisan bill. It's, uh, it's uh, we've worked on it for a year, the, the years actually, the miners are here every month telling us the stories. I saw three of them when I was home last weekend, but we talked in great depth about it. So I feel optimistic it's not done yet, but certainly having Senator McConnell is a major boost.
5: And then quickly, this will be an election year for you. We had Alan Witt, uh, your primary challenger, on earlier in the show. He claims that you are not conservative enough for West Virginia and is questioning some of your votes. Ultimately, what are you saying to your constituents out there who may be questioning if you are conservative
4: enough? Well, I think the, (laughs) the voters of West Virginia know me very well. And uh, certainly the Republican voters know me well as I've built the party and we've been able to take majorities in the House and Senate in West Virginia and all of our congressional offices. Uh, My conservative record is, uh, I think, extremely uh, well known. I I have a great rating with some of the conservative uh, uh, organizations. I have uh, uh, certainly with President Trump been with him every step of the way. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'll stand on my record and talk about it all day long with, with whoever. But, you know, I have, a, I have a, uh, an, a, a, an obligation to consider uh, bills that come before me. And I'm going to do it every time. People want me to think about what I'm doing. But my, consol- my conservative upbringing and my conservative record speaks for itself.
5: All right. Thank you so much, Senator Shelley Moore Capito. Obviously, a very busy time in Washington for you right now. Appreciate your time
4: as always. All right. Thanks, Andrew.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston. WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a star Media Group production hosted and managed by Mark Curtis, produced and edited by Stephen Shaw, Craig Poole, Rick Johnson, and Micah J. Carpenter. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.